Hello, and welcome to the Gundam Sentinel Podcast. My name is Gordon, and I'll be your host of this limited run series. Gundam Sentinel is a side story set in the Universal Century timeline of Mobile Suit Gundam. I've always loved this IP, and I wanted to share my love analysis of this with you. This does, however, contain spoilers for other works in the Universal Century timeline, so be warned. I hope you guys enjoy. Chapter 6 The Logistic Bomb Henry Bakudan An ill-fated Nero pilot looked at his linear seat panoramic display. He saw countless new decides mobile suits painted in dark blue were floating at the far end of the sector. All of their new decide cruisers had their cannons trained at him along with his fellow Federation Nero mobile suits. It's a trap! The pilot pressed a red button on the display. A signal flare was deployed from either end of the Nero shoulder, producing a burst of pale purple rays. Purple signal spotted at 12 o'clock. Break radio silence. Our surprise attack has failed. S Gundam, currently transformed in G Cruiser mode, was formed up with the second wave of the follow-up squadron. Roots in his cockpit understood the meaning of the signal, but it was already too late. Admiral Aina ordered his flagship, the Bull Run, to begin the cannon barrage. The other ships in his fleet also opened fire with cannons and many unguided missiles. Task Force Alpha ship had been the one to deliver that attack. It's a shame their scatterbrained, ages-old lieutenant completely lacks the ability to command the fleet. I, the Bald Eagle Admiral, shall be the one to test them. Aina recalled that genius. If he throw his former pupil could defeat him. He would prove to be worthy of his reputation. He, however, was not going to show him any mercy. He also knew his star pupil's weakness. He followed regulations and did not make exceptions. Back on board the Pegasus III, Heather received word that his entire advance wave of mobile suits were all destroyed. He stood up from his fleet commander's chair, tense. He then sat back down and ordered all ships to fire M warheads and to recall all mobile suits. Mangs was incredulous when he heard the order. M warheads? Didn't the Granada Treaty prohibit the use of Minoski particle paste weapons? You need to get authorization from the commanding office before you use those, Manning shouted. M warheads were commonly used weapons during the One Year War, where a high concentration of Minoski particles would scatter. The end result would be to decrease the power of long range beam weapons. The side effect, however, was less than desirable, where the particles would not dissipate over time. Some experts felt it could cause pollution of Earth's atmosphere similar to chlorofluorocarbons. The treaty signed in Lunar City, Granada, excluded the use of nuclear weapons and an additional clause prohibited the use of Minoski particles, except for eye-field defense screens and mega-particle cannons. Mangs had informed and countermanded the order and said that the warheads would not be effective. Aino's fleet destroyed the front line of 9 mobile suits. The 30 mobile suits that formed the attacking squadron had been reduced to 12. Any attempt at breaking into Iyer City would be left up to these units. An operator had informed Heathrow that the S Gundam discovered the initial wave of enemy mobile suits had not moved and were likely dummies. What? Dummies? That means the enemy's main mobile suit force is already at Iyer City. Roots fired a beam from S Gundam's beam cannon at a Zeku suit, and it was in fact a dummy. 
Lieutenant Crypton is Faz along with his Faz Squadron was bringing up the rear. He informed Roots that the fleet's advanced assault squadron were all wiped out. The other squadrons assigned to land on the moon were being re redirected to attack Ayer City. Roots, as usual, questioned the logic of this and felt that since there were no enemy suits in their present location, that it would be best to attack the enemy cruisers. The Nero squadron then sent a transmission. Hey, newbies from the main force! Since you're not contributing anything useful, come over here and help us draw away the enemy's attention. Turning around to face the area near the moon surface, the Nero squadron prepared to carry out the invasion. Roots, as usual, was not enthusiastically on board with this course of action. Chang Young and his Nero activated his IMPC mode to prepare for this, his descent to the moon surface. He punched in the coordinates for the landing drop zone. However, like a devil sent to corrupt the mortal realm, the computer's mind was filled with evil intentions. The descent timer continued to count down until it reached 666. Chung yelled, what the hell, when the monitor was filled with random characters. The sentence, shame on you, continued to flash in the center display. The hack that was entered in the IMPC in Chapter 1 had read in the suit inoperable and a floating coffin. The new decides knew that the Federation lied on the use of the IMPC. So by placing code in the IMPC to render a suit inoperable during descent as the new decides knew this would be happening, served as a perfect opportunity to manipulate this vulnerability. When the instructor corps revolted, a select few members unwilling to participate had brought the most recent tactical combat data back to Earth. Federation Forces Headquarters did not question the reliability of the data at the time because they thought that from the start, the Instructor Corps' rebellion was just a spur-of-the-moment operation. However, the new Decides trap was not completely successful because their initial goal of the logistic bomb had been to create confusion when the Federation's main force would arrive and event actually inevitably invade the moon. Now, because Task Force Alpha was landing an independent operation, their trap had been exposed prematurely likely making the tactic ineffective in the future. Chong had ordered the suits to switch to manual override to allow for a more gentle landing, however two near mobile suits were not so lucky as their suits crashed to the ground and caused their untimely demise. Chong had cut off the autopilot system and instead started to rely completely on experience and piloting skills to control a suit. The restarted monitor showed only the field of vision in front and lacked the distance calculations made by the computer. The only proof that the Nero's landing position had already changed was given by the rapid approach of the moon's horizon line. Root stared blankly at the ongoing confusion. What the hell is going on? A group of mobile suits, obviously enemies, suddenly appeared at the other end of the moon's orbit and were quickly headed towards Jung's end. Shit. They're a bunch of sitting ducks. I gotta think of a way to help them get them out. Ugh. Shit. Not good. Situation worsening. A crisis is approaching. They are companions. Human organization. The best choice. To assist. To fight. Fighting to prolong the lives of his companions. Even though he himself hasn't suffered. The pain of human beings, I couldn't possibly understand. This is a human? 
Roots aimed his beam cannons at the approaching mobile suits. You bastards. The Nero's enemy detection system had not shut down. Damn it, we can't even fire back. Chung Young cursed, seeing the approaching mobile suits. He was exerting all his concentration to the maneuver to maneuver the suit and did not have any effect to spare for combat. Just as his disheartening peaked, a beam of light was suddenly fired toward the group of mobile suits. Who is it? Chung Young saw it. A Gundam. The S Gundam was protecting the troops. Wasn't that newbie as cowardly as a mouse? Why would he risk his life to do something so stupid? The S Gundam, along with Zeta Plus and Fast Squadrons, opened fire, and within a few seconds, the Gundam team had destroyed the group of enemy mobile suits. The remaining Neros were able to maintain their orbit, but were low on fuel. Roots and the rest of the squadron uh, escorted the Neros. Back aboard the Pegasus 3, Heather had received word that Chung's descent team had not landed the moon as planned and were low on fuel. Initially, he felt that the fleet's mobile suit escorts should retrieve them. No, hold on a second. So that's how it is. I understand. I won't be tricked, father. Heathrow unintentionally added in that term of endearment. Mangs wanted to override him, but the fleet commander informed that the bald eagle would seize on the opportunity if his squadron mobile suits protecting the fleet would leave them. Meanwhile, Cod, the leader of the new decides, returned happily to the Kilimanjaro for resupply. He was pleased with the Mark V's performance. He was happy he was able to single-handedly destroy nine enemy mobile suits. Cod asked Cray for a sit rep. Well, there's good news and bad news. Most of our Zikos had land on the moon surface and are under offshore's command. Once the fleet has finished resupplying, they'll be responsible for defending Iron City airspace. Ionocide has repelled the enemy surprise raid. But then there's the bad news. What would that be? The enemies that attacked us, attacked us are not for the main fleet. Also, the commanding officer on the other side, I don't know if he's overconfident or just an idiot, has actually ordered mobile suits to descend on the moon surface. We dispatched the third wave of mobile suits to intercept, but those freakish enemy suits wiped them out. Then the logistic bomb has been cracked? Yes, it should have been. However, this could be a good thing. They now know that they have to they have no way to land in Iyer City, so that their only option left is destroyed, which result in its citizens become casualties. If that were to happen, the other lunar cities would be thrown into panic and revolt which would aid us in pushing forward to our proposal for a Lunar City Coalition. Sacrifice something so small for the good of the whole? At that moment, the ship's klaxon sounded. Over the PA system, a young officer requested Cod's presence on the bridge. A huge fleet had arrived. Cod and Cray looked at each other and grabbed onto the handle of the hand grips on the wall and rushed towards the bridge. The Eskenum were defending the four Neros orbiting around the moon. The three phases made for long-range combat were forming a 360-degree surveillance in the triangular formation. As of two Zeta Plus units, they were concentrating on defending the front portion of the orbit. Out of the 30 suits that have attacked, formed the attack force, only 10 remain? Who knows? Maybe the fleet is under heavy assault. You all should still have some propulsion fuel, right? Chung asked Roots. If the fleet's finished too, then we've got nowhere else to run. It'd probably be best just to stay here. You're a weird kid. It's not like you're too normal yourself, you know. A weird kid? Abnormal characteristics. Both of them. 
All humans are abnormal. All humans are soldiers. Soldier is equal to abnormal. Battle is equal to abnormal. All humans are lunatics. All of a sudden, countless small dots of lights appeared and were closing in on the mobile suits. On board the Pegasus 3, they also spotted the dots and prepared for the Bald Eagle's arrival. The IFF, or Identification Friendlier Foe, however, identified the vessels at the Nagato, Exeter, Strasbourg, and other ships from, ships from Penta. The main fleet had to use a significant amount of fuel to be able to rendezvous with the task force. The balance of power now shifted. March 13th was over. March 14th, Earth Standard Time, 0800 hours. Heathrow received instructions for an explanation of the plan to invade Air City from the main fleet's flagship, the Nagato. The operation would be named Eagle Falls. Based on Heathrow's suggestions, the Nuoble suit's numerical IMPC data was changed. However, because they didn't have the latest data on their hands, and also due to a lack of time to repair the error sequence of the original IMPC, the old data was used for landing. It was undeniable the combat data was bound to cause a decrease in the mobile suit's combat abilities, but it was better than using the corrupted data. Task Force Alpha reformed the ship's mobile suit squadrons to welcome a new wave of combat. However, although the number of mobile suits had been replenished, they had been given no new pilots. Thus, the main fleet transferred another four cruisers to form Task Force Beta, which would be given the responsibility of providing support to Task Force Alpha. As for Operation Eagle Falls, it was set to commence in three days, the 17th of March. There are no new suits to describe in this episode. Please stay tuned to next week's episode to see if a new design is introduced. I have a feeling there might be something to talk about then. Military or state-sponsored sabotage will be the focus of this week's analysis. The Instructor Corps left a hack to attack a vulnerability in the IMPC database. This line of code rendered the Federation mobile suit unable to fight, and was it not for the timely arrival of Lieutenant Roots and members of the Gundam Squadron of Faz and Zeta Plus, Lieutenant Chang Young and other Neros would have been destroyed. This is not the first time that such a tactic was employed. So, this week we'll look at both fictional and real-life examples of such tactics. The first fictional piece that came to mind was that of Battlestar Galactica's reboot of 2003-2007. For those of you who have not seen it yet, I mean, it is available for streaming or download and it's over 15 years old, but still wish to see it. What I'm about to say is very much a spoiler, so please be warned. A long time ago, humans lived in a solar system with 12 colonies. They created a cyborg race called Cylons to do their bidding, but the Cylons rebelled. A costly war broke out between humanity and the Cylons. One day, this race of cyborgs withdrew and there was an uneasy peace. Decades later, the Cylons returned and unleashed a massive attack on humanity and their 12 colonies. They had also evolved and created Cylon models that resembled human beings. One such Cylon was able to infiltrate the human's network and created a backdoor that was susceptible to control and allowed for the Cylon forces to render human space vessels and fighters inoperable in easy target practice. Cyber attack is presently used by the United States against her adversaries. In 2011, the White House issued an international strategy for cyberspace. Quote, 
when warrants to the United States will respond to hostile acts in cyberspace as you would to any other threat to our country. We reserve the right to use all necessary means, diplomatic, informational, military, and economic, as appropriate and consistent with applicable international law, in order to defend our nation, our allies, our partners, and our interests. In so doing, we will exhaust all options before military force whenever we can. We will carefully weigh the cost and the risk of actions against the cost of inaction and will act in a way that reflects our values and strengthens our legitimacy, seeking broad international support whenever possible. Note examples of such attacks on nation states include Iran. A cyber worm named Stuxnet was able to infiltrate the nuclear facility in Natanz and was able to destroy up to a thousand nuclear centrifuges. In 2013, Edwards noted a former employee of the CIA revealed that the United States, United States government had hacked into the Chinese mobile co- uh, company uh, to spy on Tsinghua University, a large research institution as well as a large telecom provider and manufacturer. This would allow the United States to be able to conduct surveillance on countries that utilize their technology, regardless of whether they're friend or foe. Logic bombs like the one used in this episode were also created as used as a threat to information security. A definition of a logic bomb is a piece of code intentionally inserted into a software system that will set up a malicious function when specified conditions are met. A real-life example of a successful logic bomb includes an attack against South Korea on March 20, 2013, where the hard drives and master boot records of at least three banks and two media companies were wiped out at the same time. There'll be references attached to the show notes for you to review if you wish to check them out. Next episode, Chapter 7, Eagle Fall. March 14th, Universal Century, 0088. The new Decides fleet battles the Task Force Alpha to decide the fate of Iron City. The Fast Squadron faces Cotton the Gundam Mark V while the Ziku Tsui also makes its debut. Roots prepares to face the new decides in Superior Gundam's most powerful form, the Extraordinary Superior Gundam. Please be sure to check out the Twitter page at Gundam Sentinel 2, Instagram at Gundam Sentinel Podcast, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash group slash Gundam Sentinel Podcast. If you like what you hear, please rate and give a review on whatever means you listen to this podcast and tell your Gundam a loving otaku friend to check it out. Until next time.